We'll do it live! Fuck it! Del Boca Vista Studios in Natick, Massachusetts. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were. Three of Boston's best self-medicated sports analysts. Sir, have you been drinking? Yes, I have. I've had five or six small batch bourbons. Bring you... Try to help you young guys in this profession you've chosen. It's one or two steps above prostitution. Off the wagon. Speak into the mic. Bitch. Now, say my name. What the fuck? <laughs> this is a family show, yeah. you piece of shit. You're goddamn right. You're just, I just, just shit all over the mic. <laughs> Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Off the Wagon Sports Radio. Yes, it is. At OTW Sports Radio. It's the first time I've gotten that right in three weeks. That's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I've been practicing in the mirror. <laughs> At OTW Sports Radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is Zach Pelquin. J.P. Chenard. And Telmore Dew. And I'm Carl Badge. He's slugging Telmore Dew straight out of the ball today. It's going to be a great show. Yeah, we had uh, some technical dif- difficulties earlier. It sounded like a terrorist attack in the middle of Framingham. Yes, yes, we were recording off the pitch. You can follow that at OTP Soccer Talk. We get the shameless plug out of the way early. We were in the middle of a great show. We were. And then all of a sudden, the lights went out, and you off the wagon listeners know that we've had some problems paying bills here at Del Boca Vista Studios. Um, so at first, I thought that we didn't pay any electric bills, but it turned out that apparently all of Natick didn't pay their electric bills. Um, slight terrorist attack, something. We all ducked for cover, got on the table, yelled and screamed, cried like little girls. Where's uh, the mole people, JP? Yep, I know, I know. Look out. Um, it's like Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah, um, but we are all set to go if by any chance we just randomly go off the air live here. It's probably because the we'll be terrorists... The Na- we'll be at the Natick VFW <laughs> shooting shotguns at trains that are driving by. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, yeah, we got a... Actually, a pretty abbreviated show tonight. I mean, we're going to try to, you know, be... Content strong, content strong, concise, but, uh, but yeah, but not as as, as long winded as typical. But uh, <laughs> no update for the NCAA tournament. Obviously, Final Four coming up. Uh, none of the four that well, actually, no, we did. We had Oklahoma. We, we had Oklahoma and UNC and UNC. Okay, yeah, no. So we we know what we were doing for the most part. Um, but obviously, some surprises there, and just want to go through that and give a little preview there. Missed the Patriots last week, but their offseason was off to a, uh, a splendid start. Certainly want to talk a little bit about their free agency endeavors, as well yeah. as uh, maybe some prospects in the NFL draft that they might be looking at. Uh, Red Sox, only about a week away now. Yep. Obviously, a couple of injuries we want to check in on, as well as uh, some thoughts on a, a possible trade, Ooh. which uh, I'll be shocked if it goes through, because... Well, oh, is this one that we saw on TV yeah. right before... The ISIS attack on Del Boca Vista Studios? Yeah, I don't know how you, how the hell you trade for 400 pounds of human waste, but... I forgot to ask, are you guys going to opening day? Nope. No. Okay. No. No, we are not. Uh, the Bruins trying to not make the playoffs this year. I know, it's awesome. They're doing real well. Yeah. <laughs> well, love real that, well, trying not to make Love playoffs. that flag. <laughs> and uh, last but not least, we have an Ocho for the first time in quite some time. Yes. Uh, I've, got, I've got a little rant that I want to get out of the way, and I'm going to wait until I get a few more beers in me. Before I just totally tear a new one into women's basketball. Today is started or uh, is sponsored by Tullamore Dew, Dragon's Milk, and the usual Budweiser. As always, 
We got to start doing that. We got to start saying that every week, so maybe they'll actually ship us like containers of Tullamore Dew or Budweiser or whatever gay stuff Pelly drinks. It's not gay stuff. <laughs> it's not gay. It's happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll start off with the NCAA tournament. NCAA tournament, not just the NCAA tournament. Uh, Final Four is set. A little bit of a shocker, but not a total shocker. God damn it, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I don't even know where to start with this one. I guess we'll start off with the upset to a certain extent. Which one? Villanova. Oh, okay. Going to the final Nova. against... Uh, or. The game was against Kansas. They played Kansas. For being short and concise Kansas. here and on point, know, you would have no points. I know, because I'm so <laughs> fucked up because the fucking Jayhawks lost. I don't even know. I don't. Even, I, I still can't even like take it I, in as reality. He hasn't been able to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I know. Damn it. Sleeping with my thumb in my mouth for the last four days. Mm. Um, oh, God. What are you looking at me? I, I've just got to take my shirt off. I'm hot as nuts in here. But anyway. I'm about as hot as that Syracuse Orange in the second half of that game. Ooh. <laughs> kill him, Bayheim. Um, no, yeah, okay. Resetting. Let's come back here. Uh, Villanova upsets, kind of, Kansas. I'll tell you what. I'll give plenty of credit where credit's due. I thought Villanova played an extremely good game. Jay Wright came out with a perfect game plan against the Kansas team that I still, to this day, think is the best team in the country. I don't think a lot apparently of Apparently not. Yeah, apparently not this year. Um, but <clears throat> they come out with a great game plan, do quite well for themselves, hold Kansas, I want to say, to sub-40 shooting uh, from the field, shut down all of the main pieces of the Kansas puzzle for them in order for them to win, um, and now get to play in the Final Four. What did you think about Jay Wright and those uh, Villanova Wildcats? Um, surprising, because Villanova... And there's a team on the other end of the bracket, which we already brought up. We'll talk about that, too, I'm sure. Sure. But they are seem to be one of those perennial, higher-seeded teams, anywhere from the 1 to 5 range, that seem to get knocked out very, very early in the tournament. Um, and it's been a matter of, for me, the first four games, oh, well, they're going to lose this one. Oh, okay, fine, they got through that one. They're going to lose this one. No, now they're really going to lose. And now, I think they're going to lose the next one. But <laughs> final four run, Good for them. That's a big stepping stone for their program over the past couple of years, in my opinion, because now they've broken through that getting to the sound stupid for a program with that much prestige, breaking through the Sweet 16, breaking through the Elite Eight. They haven't done that in a while. Um, 2009 was the last time they were in the Final Four. Yep. And before that, I think it was quite And I think time. that was the down year where Memphis won. Uh, or no, it was Memphis, it was Memphis, Villanova. UConn and Duke, I think, I think was that UConn, year? That was the UConn shocker year. That was the UConn year. shocker yeah. year, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> Not the Kemba team. That was the, one, it was the one right before the Kemba team, I think. Yes. Kemba was 2014. Kemba was 2014. 12? No, that was a Kemba year. Oh, was they the won Kemba in 2009 year? and 2014. Okay, yeah. So then the Kemba year it was. Then who they went with four, in, in four? No, no, it wasn't. 14 would have been... No, that was two years ago. Okay, no, that's right. Yeah. So who was their star on the 14 team? Boatwright. He, I think he was... Boatwright and... Boatwright and somebody else. I don't know. If you want, I can text our UConn aficionado. Certainly do that. Okay. But, uh, okay. So, yeah, the 2009 UConn Shocker team. So, yeah. Sorry to knock you off topic there. I was just a little... That's fine. little little head scratcher. But, uh, yeah, no, I... I'll tell you what. I gained a ton of respect for Villanova in this game. Obviously, being a Kansas 
peripheral fan. I'm not going to call myself a diehard by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, it tends to be the one team that I do kind of try to follow throughout the course of the year in the NCAA basketball schedule. And I'll tell you what, Villanova, they don't do anything amazing. They don't blow you away in any way, but they defended, they're gritty, and they represent the old school Big East as well as ever. And it just goes to show you that if you're willing to go out there and make the ugly play and play ugly basketball, there's still a place for you. Brackets Brown and our UConn insider just texted me at the exact same time, Shabazz Napier. All right. Thank you very much. Is Brackets listening to us Brackets is listening, apparently. He is. I think that picture got his his attention. (laughs) The man who, you know who the real winner of 2016 is? Nick Brown. Nick Brown, Nick Brown on Snapchat. Nick Brown is tearing <laughs> apart 2016 and absolutely shoving his dick so far in the anus. Um, but yeah, any final thoughts on on Villanova so far? Villanova so far surprising me. Um, they're obviously as good as their seating as they got seated. They yep. deserve to be a number two team. Uh, now. I'm just wondering if the next matchup, and maybe incidentally doing a segue here for you, yeah, but do. to Oklahoma, um, what's the guy's name? Heidel, Heil, Heiled. Buddy Heiled. Buddy Heiled. I never get that right, but I think that that's where the run comes to an end. Very good. What a transition it was. Um, yeah, Buddy Heiled, Oklahoma, they take care of business against Oregon on yep. the other side of the bracket. Probably one of the top two most popular teams, I would think, out of that region for, for most people who are, who are picking their brackets. Not going to be shocked if anyone has. That's their one Final Four that they did pick or one of two Final Fours that they did pick. Buddy has been playing fantastic. 37 in this past game against Oregon, who I just had no answer for him at all. Um, Oregon looks like, you know, if they're not the number one team right now, probably the number two team. Oh, I mean, I'm hearing that our connection for the... Uh, for the uh, yep. the live is, is a little bit spotty. We're getting a little damn a little it, Carl. Spotty. Yep, that's not my fault. That's JP's internet. <laughs> God damn it! Shut off your Wi-Fi now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, Oklahoma for me. I mean, this is a team that if you didn't pick them for the Final Four, you're probably in more of a minority than you were in the right. majority. Oregon, one of those teams that you know they're on the West Coast. Not a lot of people saw them. Not a lot of people had a lot of faith in them. Oklahoma comes out, they've got the National Player of the Year, and he's doing everything he can to make sure that that's warranted. They've been ranked number one at least once, if not twice, over the course of the year. Um, So they they have every right to be there. I think think they were the best team in that bracket. I'm surprised they didn't get a one seed personally, not that it makes a difference now in the long run. Right. Um, Well, they would have had two Big 12 as... One seed. That's probably why. Because Kansas oh, true. Won the, well, yeah, yeah, but they were big on the Big Twelve all year long. Now the Big Twelve is supposed to be the best conference in true basketball this year, and there's more ACC teams left than Big Twelve teams. Take that for what it is. Um, but yeah, no, I I like Oklahoma moving forward. Um, I almost like Oklahoma maybe to win the whole thing now at this point. Um, Buddy Hild is looking like. A trying to put a comparison to teams with players that good teams, but the player takes them to the next level. Shabazz. I was thinking more of like Kemba. a Carmelo Anthony with that Syracuse team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kemba. Kemba's a good. That's a good one. Good comparison. Um, I don't know the. 
almost like a rip, rip, almost like rip, a Rip Hamilton, almost, yeah, or like a like a Dwayne Wade with Marquette. I know. Oh yeah, that, but, uh, I like that. You, one. you know what I mean? Yeah. I know they didn't win the whole thing. Their team wasn't as good as Oklahoma's team is top to bottom, but kind of that that one player who's the best in the country at the time on a solid enough team that now that team has enough around him so that if he goes a little cold for a little bit, they can get through it. But he personally elevates himself and the team to the next level. Yeah, um, That's kind of what I'm seeing out of that situation. So I like Oklahoma in the Final Four. I'm not so sure about it. I'm not because you know what Villanova showed me that they know how. That to means they're losing. Every time we, every time Pelly said, "Oh, this team showed me something in the last round." Boom, lost, dead, crap, <laughs> the bed. Um, I, I love the fact that we. Well, I don't love it. I hate the fact that we saw Villanova knows how to put together a game plan to stop one player. And I think if you're putting this game on Ryan Spangler's back, or you're putting it on one of the other peripheral players of Oklahoma's back, I don't like that team because you know what. Oklahoma proved last round they can win ugly. And I don't know if Oklahoma is ready to win ugly uh, against a Villanova team that I think can do it in a variety of ways. However, this game doesn't get ugly. Oklahoma's going to burn him. Yep. But he's going for 40 and he's going to be the player of the tournament. Yep. Um, but I think, um, uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy ask. I think the better team is Oklahoma, but I thought Kansas was the better team going into that Villanova game the other, the other day. So I have to give credit where credit's due. I think Villanova wins this one. You think Villanova wins this one? I'm going to go with the underdog. Well, I'm taking Oklahoma because, like I said, if Pelly's picking Villanova, that means they're losing. Safe money. Uh, On the other side of the bracket, we saw UNC, number one seed, who has played, is consensus the champion. At this point. If people had to make a choice. They take care of business. They ended up beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame. The hunchback in Notre Dame, Zach August. Um... I mean, they spanked them. There was really nothing to say about it. Which Notre Dame finally got what was coming to them, I think, yep. after their ridiculous win over Stephen F. Austin and the greatest player well, of ju- all time, Thomas Walkup. Well, just while now that we're on the ACC side, the ACC this year shows again why they are the best conference. Big Ten looked good all year long. Yep. But this is why, or Big 12, God damn it. Why don't they just have the Big Ten have 10 teams and the Big 12 have 12 teams? Stupid. But anyways, Agreed. the Big the Big 12 all year long, oh, they're the deepest conference, they're the deepest conference. You get to an Elite Eight, and four of the teams and the Elite Eight, half the teams are ACC teams. Mm-hmm. That says a lot about the conference. You say what you want about Syracuse, but Syracuse gets there because they play a hard conference schedule all year. They play a hard out-of-conference schedule. Yep. Yeah, the regular season was down, obviously. That's why they're a 10 seed, but they've got the talent. They've got the head coach that can get them far. And you look at it up and down the board. The ace, look at Notre Dame, a six seed. That's- Here's an argument I'm going to make against you, and I think when we get uh, Alex Johnson back on to talk to him at some point in the near future about this tournament, here's my issue. Syracuse makes it through to the Final Four this year in a region that a lot of people would say Michigan State probably should have won. Yes. And if they, didn't, if they didn't totally blow over a Middle Tennessee State team in the first round, they probably would have won this bracket pretty easily. However... Can we sit here now, in hindsight, and even at the moment when we saw it happen, can we sit back now and say that the committee did a disservice to this particular tournament by not seeding correctly well, to we, put a team like a Kentucky or an well, Indiana Well, we, in talk, we talked about this when we had Alex Johnson on. It, when the bracket came out, the committee, it looked like they went more for ratings. Yep. 
in the particular brackets than they did actual seeding. Like mm-hmm. you said, Kentucky, Indiana, very underrated. What if Villanova is the number one seed in this region instead of a, a Virginia team that didn't win their conference tournament? Well, you you say that, but does that mean Villanova now wins the? It changes. You can't just go. I know what you mean, but you can't just go. But that was. It's not. We're not saying that because it's entirely what if, hindsight. What if, what if Michigan? What if Michigan State wins their wins their game? Then it doesn't matter well, where Villanova. Call Virginia Michigan is. State a number one. Michigan State's number one. Villanova's number two in this region. What are we talking about then? I mean, it's there seems like there was a lot of scenarios in this particular tournament that even going into it, we said, you know what. The committee made some some indecision here and, and created some situations where, you know what, Syracuse, I think, 8 out of 10 years, regardless of this team right now, wouldn't be there. They're there because of the way that things were ultimately laid out by the committee, not necessarily because of the team that they have. And that's what bothers me out of this, and that's why I hope UNC absolutely drowns them in their own blood. Well, you just don't like Jim Beheim. I don't. And I hate Carmelo Anthony, so it's, it's, a, it's a double kill there. But I just there's something about this year that I just did. I it turned me off right from the beginning. And as soon as Selection Sunday came out, I said, you know what? And my brackets proof of it. I had no confidence in this in this particular thing. I said, you know what? Kansas is the one team that I feel pretty confident. In. Michigan State was the other one on the other side. Neither of which ended up getting to their full. Well, potential. you say that every year with every tournament, and we're seeing more and more. It's we're seeing worse more and more worse, over the seems. past eight to ten years. But why does it seem like they're missing on obvious choices? Well, because because you you have the mid major teams that go twenty seven and one, and then you have a Syracuse team who talent wise is better than any mid major team on paper. They're better than any mid major team because they're Syracuse and they play in a bigger conference with a better schedule. But because of the record, yeah, sometimes how they play don't don't completely get me wrong. Yeah, but. Syracuse is a 10 seed. That's a very dangerous 10 seed. Would you rather have... You can argue if in the mid-season, Syracuse is a 10 or... Or take seeding aside. Any given year, you put Syracuse versus Villanova up against each other. Who mm. wins that game? Most years, I say Syracuse. Most years, you say Syracuse. And I know that every year is different. That's why the seeding is different every year. But when you saw the UConn team do it in 2014, that was an 8 seed. Yeah, get hot at the tournament. Those big conference teams, low seated like that, to me are very dangerous because they're hot at the end of the year. That's how they got in. Otherwise, if they didn't get hot, somebody else would have been in form. Now, in the first round, they're playing generally lower mid or uh, mid major schools or other teams in their same situation. Now you get that win. Now you start cruising. Yeah, so you Michigan State fucked up. But now Syracuse is going to, regardless of whether Syracuse is a one seed or a ten seed, they're going to win that 10-15 matchup mm-hmm. nine out of ten times. Mm-hmm. Then after that, I noticed how the bracket worked out. Gonzaga is a little bit of an exception. They're more of a mid. They're a bigger mid-major school, but still regular season any given year. Regardless of how good Gonzaga or Syracuse is, Syracuse wins that game more often, regardless of seeding. Then now all of a sudden you have an ACC team who is very familiar with the number one seed who is in their conference in the Elite Eight game, and they know how to play against them. They made a big 16-point comeback in the second half, and Syracuse isn't scared of playing the Virginias, the UNCs, the mm-hmm. Kansases, because they play them every year regardless of what their ranking is. These players 
if they don't miss a tournament last year, well, they still play Kansas regular season or whatever, or in some preseason tournament. Right. Yeah. The name on the jersey, the logo on the jersey, does not scare them away. Right. And that, like I said, that's why those UConn teams are dangerous. Um, you can go I'm trying to think of some. Michigan State last year is a seven. Everybody's saying, oh, Michigan State's no good. No good. They're a seven seed. They're cold coming in. Well, Tom Izzo, they're not scared to see those big names. They go through to the Final Four. Beat Virginia in the Elite Eight. Same situation as this year. So it's that's what gets real difficult is those big conference teams now, like I said, get on a hot run, and they're not scared of the big names. Right. I think that's why you see the disparity because is Syracuse, you can say, oh, Kentucky should have been a two or three seed. Well, should Syracuse be a ten? Realistically, by name, no, but by the performance, I think a ten was probably pretty accurate. But that's the problem I have, though. I feel like, well, but, feel but, like but you have a double edged sword then because you can say Kentucky deserved the deserved the five because of the way they finished the year. And and did they though? I, I don't know. You, they, they win the SEC tournament and you drop them. In yeah, but the that that SEC tournament that and, wasn't very good. No, right, that, that blows that terrible conference. Iowa State look, worse, worse than a Utah. Look at Iowa, look at Iowa State. Iowa State their, got their a four. Tournament. You could argue that they're underseeded. They they were in the top ten for most of the year and supposedly the toughest conference in college basketball this year. Mm. You can argue that Oregon's overseeded. Nobody heard of them all year long. Oh, they won the Pac-12, so now all of a sudden winning the Pac-12 tournament is a big deal. They, I know what you mean. I think they do it more for TV ratings because they know everybody's watching the game. So yeah. they try to, which is wrong. You should put. Kansas, if you deem them the number one team in the country, you should put them up against Holy Cross, the sixty fourth team in the tournament. Right. No, and then that's all I'm saying is that I just I feel like you there was a disservice done to this particular tournament because you could have spread the wealth a little bit better. Well, and I think ultimately Syracuse gets the and now if Syracuse goes into this game, they beat UNC, I'll shut my mouth. Because then you're doing something that I would have never expected. The, you to the do. other, just the other thing that really pissed me off about them is you'll have a, excuse me, I'm been drinking all day and now I'm hiccuping, um, but you'll have a recently you have these three fourteen matchups and that's been happening now once a year about, but the home team geographically is a fourteen seed. Yeah, which is not right. Which is not right. So they try to say, oh, we try to get all the teams we can to their best region. No. You say Kansas, you get the Kansas, or you get the Midwest. You say... No, you know what? I, I, don't, you, I don't... You say UNC, you get the East. Here, I, I got some theories for you. Now, let's call us... We're the, bracket, we're the uh, selection committee now. Us three. God help us all. So this is the way I look at it. You rank... This is what I think that they should be doing. And I don't know how or what they do or why they do it. Well, it's a different committee to every year, I think. Yeah, exactly. There's another problem in its own right. Take your conference winners. Yep. Rank them up. Your automatic bids. Right. Go through. Kansas number one, Holy Cross. Right. Number 34, however many conferences are. Sure. Rank them out. You've got however many conferences you have. There they all are. Rank them out. Now, go get your at-large bids and start to fill them out. Now, the at-large bids, are their, that's their own conversation in, in, in its own right. right. It's very difficult to find those teams and figure it out. That I don't get too upset about. Yeah, I would have rather seen a Monmouth over uh, a Tulsa right. or so on. So or a forth. Michigan or whatever. Right, right, whatever. I'm not going to argue too much about that. Sometimes there's egregious mishandling of that. But this year, eh, whatever. What are you going to do? Take them, rank them, 1 through 68 because you have your playing games. 
your bottom four playing right. games. Bing, right. bang, boom, you know, right. or, or whatever Those should it be. Is. I don't know why they do no these 6-11 or... No, the two worst teams play for the 16th spot to play yes. Kansas. The next two worst teams play the 16th spot yes. to play Oregon, yes. so on. Rank them all out, and then you start seed, You start putting seed segments in. One are your top four. Two is eight through 12, or eight through... Four through eight. Four through eight. Three could, is could eight through 12, too, right. Depending on what kind of math you're doing. Right, three is eight Chinese through 12, checkers, all the way down. American checkers, same right. thing. Um, <laughs> just go right. all the way through. And then you seed based off of who was the strongest, who was the second, right. third, fourth. Right. And your added little nugget in there is if you're number one out of that grouping of what your seeding would be, you get the region closest to home. Right. So if you do see a 3-14, it's your weakest three versus your best 14. Right. And if they get a home, I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But if you're looking at your four 14s and you're saying this is maybe the third best, that's not right. Right. And no, that's no. where I have a problem with it is because if this doesn't seem like it's that difficult. No. Why is this? And, and that, it, that's my whole problem. The, the, I mean, pro- you, make, you make a very good argument, and I'm not going to try to knock it down at all. But I'm just saying it seems like it's it should be something that has a little bit more math that's understandable uh, right. how it happens. Uh, right. No, no. I, I think the hard part it's, the, the hard part itself, like you said, is picking the field of 68, in my opinion. Because, yes. Yeah, I, okay. Because yeah, now all of a sudden you, you and I sit here and figure, okay. Everybody didn't think Syracuse was going to make the tournament. They were arguably the last team in. Well, if they're the last team in, why are they a 10 seed? The last team in should be a, with the exception of... 68th team. Right, right. With the exception of, okay, fine, Holy Cross. But your last team in should be a 12 or a 13 seed. Not a 10 seed. Don't give me this bullshit. So, fine, you make your field of 68. That's hard. And you and I argue over we have Syracuse in it or we have Monmouth in it. And And we decide to have Syracuse. Doesn't it seem like you get these playing games, you push a team in. You give them some some momentum because now they've already played a game on that court. Right. They already got to well, win well, within the, the last two the or three re- days. And the, the thing that I've always said is before when it was 65 with the one playing game at the 16, yeah. their big thing was always, hey, look, it's the 16 teams that aren't going to win. They've got a chance to say, we won a tournament game right. in college. You know, when we went up against Kansas and got, and got shellacked 180 to 4, but we won a tournament game. Yeah. So now, yeah, you go throw a Holy Cross up, and I know they had a playing game, but you go throw a Holy Cross up against some bum team or against a number one, they're going to get smoked. Put the eight worst teams in those playing games at the 16. Now, all of a sudden, you have teams that aren't going to win games, regardless of where they are seated in the whole tournament, that can hold their hat on saying, We won a tournament game. Or even if you said, even if you went this way, the four weakest conference winners against the four last, last at large, at bids, large bids. whatever, right? However you want to do it, it makes sense. Like I said, it the seems, hardest thing is right. get the hardest thing is getting those at large bids, and then after that, it should be very simple. Okay, Kansas is number one. UConn, whatever, whoever it was, uh, UNC is number two. Right down, and like you said, okay, we're gonna put Kansas in the Midwest region, and then you put them as close as you can, but you shouldn't be putting them as close as you can for Providence. Yeah. You know, you should be putting, okay, so fine, have the Providence bracket there. If BC is a four seed, put BC in the Providence bracket, not out playing in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. To play Gonzaga as a 13 seed, and that's a home game for, (laughs) right, and that's a home game for Gonzaga. Yeah. That defeats the purpose of working all year long for your turn. Now you, you just arbitrarily get tossed in a whatever game. But anyways... That, All right. Yeah, that, that's my... No, that's my uh, Good fucking conversation, Carl. <laughs> um, last but not least, who, who wins? Who, UNC, Syracuse? 
Well, Syracuse finally get what's coming to him. Um, I think UNC wins this by twenty. I think UNC wins too, but I'm pulling for. I like I like the orange. I've always yeah. liked the orange. Okay. Right. Bay. I'm not saying that they're not frustrating. Right. Uh, I know Bayheim sucks most of the time, but it's got that one ring to hold I'm, on to. And I love UNC too. I think I'll be rooting for Syracuse here, um, but UNC should win it. One thing, that Marcus Page kid from UNC. I've, next time we get Alex on, I'm going to talk about it with him with his NBA prospects. He seems very smart and intelligent. For however you want to take this, listeners, take it for a college basketball player. I watched his interviews, and a lot of them are up there mumbling and bumbling around. And when you get the rebound, right. you pull it down. Yes, with yes, that that dumb jackass from Baylor. Uh, you shouldn't even him. be in fucking college, you moron. Torian Prince, dude. Yeah. Oh, uh, I hope he's a Celtic next year. Mar- Marcus Page comes up. He's articulate. Right after the game on the court, they put him up in front of all the cameras and everything yeah. in the green room out back for all the question answer- answering. He's breaking down plays like an educated adult. Like I said, I don't know if his skill set's good enough to get into the NBA. I, I will say this, though. I think he's a junior or a senior. But I think, no, he is a senior because I think all they had was Shocker. The you stay in school there. for four years, you get smarter. Well, well maybe not, <laughs> not Not Nichols, but. <laughs> well, I went for five and I got just dumber the whole time. <laughs> but like you said, if he's a second round, he seems like he's, I'm going to hate saying this, but he seems like the perfect Brad Stevens Celtic right now. Really? Very, very, very smart player. Doesn't necessarily have the skill set of the better players, but he can think his way through a basketball game, I think. And I, like I said, I saw a lot out of him on his post-game press conferences this week. Sure. I, I really like him. Um, I'm going to ask Alex about him next time we talk to him. All right. By the next time we will be on, it assuming will, it's next Monday. If it's next we'll Monday, the championship game, we'll right? be on for the championship game. All right. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll here's an idea. Let's, let's announce it live. You want to announce the championship game live? <laughs> we might be able to do that. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll think about it. We'll let you know. We'll, we'll figure we'll something out for next week. week. Uh, you'll find out on Monday. You'll find, <laughs> out, yeah, you'll find out when you tune in, you pieces of shit. Um, so, an update on the Bracket Tournament Challenge. Let's take a look at the entries. In last place, Shabani and Susie won. You suck. 300 points. Stop it. Uh, 21st place, Margaret A. Adams, too. Ooh, with 350. Silver Fox in 20th, rounding out the bottom three. Boston B Money, three in 19th place. Damn. Tough year. Tough, tough year. Tough year. Hot Dog Hal, one, seven, tied for 17th with D.A. Smitty, 26 1. Fuck you, Dan. J.M. Beers, 35891. Johnny Beers, 16th place. Got it all to himself. However, he does have 160 points still on the board, which is not a bad thing to have. T. Glassman, 12-2. Tied for 14th with AJ52IU4. Our brackets man who we brought in this year, 14th place. Can, can do no better than 14th place. 11th is a three-way tie. Dilpel, 36843091. Holy shit, make that name a little bit shorter. Um, That's the cool Pelican one. He's right? tied, yeah, tied for 11th. I didn't steal the sign. Zach Koch, tied for 11th with your very own Pelly 2016. Uh, All tied for 11th. So right outside the top 10. Damn. 10th place. Damn brackets. Damn brackets. Atwood's Bracketsology. Uh, he finishes up in 10th. Connor Galvin, 
ninth place. Okay, Connor. 630 points total. It's about where he left off in fantasy football, too. Eighth place, just ahead of him. John Paul, 05081. No points remaining, so he can be passed. Can be passed, but he cannot do any better than eighth place this year. I think that's better than last year. Me too, but you beat me. That's good news. President of the United States, currently holding seventh place. Sixth, Carl Badger. No more points Ooh. available to him. He will not retain his title. I will I will not. Damn, I even make it, Carl. I didn't even make it to <laughs> top five either. Shabanian, 10 one, fifth place. She can do bo- no better than fifth. T. Glassman, 12-1 in fourth place. He can do no better than fourth with zero points available on the boards. As he brackets, third place, no points available. J. Rivers, 18231. 480 points still on the board for him. Could, could conceivably put the champion or... Could have the champion. Could have a championship yes. game contender and a champion. He's the only one Does left. he need both of them? Uh, he cannot get the runner-up. He had Kansas as the runner-up. No, no, but does he, he had... need both of them to pass the leader right now? Because I believe the leader has no more points available. No. He only needs to get if he, UNC if, the championship game. If UNC game. makes the championship game, I'm pretty sure that would clinch it for him. Number one, off the wagon sports radio. <laughs> yes, thank you. But they, uh, yeah, that, 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 that motley crew. Uh, also, just to further that a little bit more, off the wagon sports radio, currently in the 99.5 percentile. The, top the 99th percentile? 99.5 oh. percentile. So we are in the top half percent in the entire country right now. For now. For now. We'll fall off as more we, we, UNC yeah, we, fans. When you uh, don't have a chance to put anyone to the championship, that's usually not a good sign. So Take notes, Alex. <laughs> Take notes. Um, but yeah, bracket challenge going very, very well, as mentioned. But we will move on to the New England Patriots. Offseason in full swing and obviously a lot going on there. We didn't talk too much about them over the last few weeks, but they've made some uh, some pretty interesting moves. Yes, they have. Um, obviously, the first of which that I want to get to, Chandler Jones being traded away from the Patriots. Obviously, a huge piece of this team. First, former first-round pick, a guy who's been a big part of that defense. They sent him away to Arizona for Jonathan Cooper, an offensive guard, and a second-round pick in this year's draft. How did you feel about the the trade itself? Slash, how do they replace a guy for or a Pro Bowler? I don't mind trading him because I think that he's first him smoking whatever the hell he smoked and just showing up to Foxborough PD butt naked didn't help. Nothing we haven't smoked before. <laughs> True. Um, <coughs> excuse me. They needed the cap room. He was the clear favorite on how they were going to clear it. Um, and the thing with me that was really very, very difficult for me with him the past year, two years was he stopped developing his entire game and it was, it's really aggravating because his skill sets there. He's got every tool in the book to be a great defensive end. Right. And Um, he's proven that. Right. But now all of a sudden he's not taking that next step to be that guy. And 
a lot of the time, that's because they don't have the work effort to do it, and that kind of goes with the why you're showing up at Foxborough PD, sitting in JP's jail cell. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus. And so I can understand it. I understood why they wanted to move away from him, why they arguably needed to move away from him, and I love the return you get back. You get an offensive guard who was, a, I believe, a top 10 pick, Number seven overall. Top, I, he, yep, he had a knee problem. It's all healed up now. You need help on that offensive line. Maybe Marcus Cannon won't start now. That would be a plus. And you got a draft pick. Now, you had to watch what draft pick you got here because if you got a first-round pick, they take your higher first-round pick away. So if you traded for Arizona's first-rounder, you're only moving up to the 31st or uh, excuse me, the 30th or 29th pick, wherever you're picking now, uh, slot. So I think they figured, nope, we'll just cancel that out. We'll take our second round pick. Um, and I believe they have four picks in the top 100 now. Yeah, none in the first 32, obviously. But I don't mind that move at all. They got they got a need out of it and an O-lineman, like I said, and they can use now that second round pick. They've been real good at drafting defensive linemen lately. If they want to go that way with that pick or one of their other second-round picks, I don't mind that trade at all. Like I said, he was... I was not getting sick of him. That's that's a little excessive, but I was starting to see, okay, the end's coming with his development here. I think he's a person that might rebound in Arizona and become very good, and we're going to sit here and kick ourselves. Why do we get rid of him? Um, but I think that his progression and his professionalism was done growing here in Boston. And I think that moving on is the best for both sides. Carl, I know uh, Chandhouse is one of your boys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, yeah, you, I, how you feel? Well, I'd, I voiced my opinion a while ago when this first happened. I mean, I thought that it was pretty much clear cut by the end of the season that, I mean, and JP said it earlier, um, he was, you know, the favorite for the cap space. So, I mean, for those paying attention, I, th- I think he was the – the clear-cut choice, and I think it's smart. You know, obviously I'm sad to hang up the jersey. I'm sad to see him go. I think he brought great attitude. I think he was always um, – I think he was – personally, I don't I, I don't think that he didn't have the work ethic. I That – the smoking weed or whatever it was and showing up at the Foxborough Stadium, I thought that was very weird. You know, who knows what people do in their personal life, so – regardless – do some weird shit. Yeah, really. <laughs> um, so regardless – Aside from that, I always thought that he was, um, you know, he always brought a very positive attitude. He was always willing to work with the other players. He seemed like he was, like, if he was able to stay on the team, I think he would have been a good leader, especially for for the line and and for the defensive team in general. But you know, you you know, you got to do what you got to do, and you got to make the and you got to make the team better. And if you're not putting forth the effort to make the team better, then you know you got to go and and. Bill Belichick has proven that plenty of times, and and I'm, you, like you said earlier, you know the the Foxborough incident was not, you know that that didn't help his case. Um, we've seen it time and time again. Belichick is not one for for any of his shit. So, yep. I mean, who knows what kind of stock that held in in the decision in general? But like you said, I'm sure it didn't help. Yep. But yeah, I'm sad to see him go. It it sucks, but it had to happen. Yeah, I think he never. He sucks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, he was he was all right. I had never had any issues with him. My big problem would be that um, ultimately you have a player that 
I think athletically is better than a lot of players that the Patriots tend to pick. Yeah. And we saw what you can get from an athlete of that caliber. I mean, he was a Pro Bowl level player this year. Very, very solid contributor to that defense over the last couple of years. However, seemed to always have a nagging injury. Never really seemed to be a dominant player. Very Which, good. Right, and that's what I was saying. It's very dominant. weird how you can have that skill and not be dominant. Right. And that's why I almost think it was a mental thing for him. I don't know if it's, he's not smart enough to play. And, which sounds kind of yeah, stupid, you just... Though. You just run enough. It sound like a little bit of a racist right now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, you just r- rush the quarterback. Well, but. this is uh, and this is a very uh, surface sort of analysis. But uh, did you ever see any of his mic'd up stuff that they that they filmed with him? Right, he reminded me of the Bobby Boucher of the Patriots. <laughs> like he was very Bobby Boucher. Right. He was you, just you don't sort want of Bobby Boucher. It's not good. You yeah. know what I mean? He like it, not in the sense that you know you'd get mad and he right, was, right. Yeah, but he, just kind of in his own little planet. Yeah, yeah. He he seen him very positive, very happy, very wanting to be there. But it, you know, like you said, maybe he just maybe he just didn't have that mentality to to to. You know, get to the next to level. drive for right. that level. Yeah, I, th- I think he's just happy being there. So who knows? Yep. Perfect. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of the free agents that they picked up uh, over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, some no names and a couple of couple of interesting names. Uh, any thoughts on Raymond Humber? Raymond Humber? Yeah, send him back to the tuba squad. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know who he is. He probably sucks. Frank Curse. Frank Curse is that related to Javon Curse? Uh, younger brother. Younger brother? No, I have no idea. If but it's he played, his younger, he played defensive tackle for the Redskins. If it's his, if it's Javon Curse's younger brother, I'm in. If it's not Javon Curse's younger brother, he can go shine Humber's tattoo for all the fuck I care. Tattoo or t- uh, <laughs> whatever it is, his uh, trombone. Trombone, yeah. Give him a rusty trombone. <laughs> uh, Donald Brown, former UConn running back. I do like Donald Brown. Oh, good lord! Low risk. He's a perfect Patriot signing. Low risk. Very, very low risk. Very, very even lower reward. <laughs> I, 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 I it's, like, it's, like, it's like buying a one dollar scratch ticket. You're not going to win anything, but you only wasted a dollar. I think that's I think. Well, no, I think that they're looking for depth at that running back position. But Donald Brown, yeah, he'll be if he think about it. If he give, goes off and gives you a hundred carries a year in the fourth quarter when you're blowing teams out, you, can you not give those carries to James White? Brandon. Well, I don't think they want James White on that team anymore. That's a different thing. Okay. I don't know if, you, if that's what you're seeing. That's that's what I'm seeing. That's why they like a different different types of running backs with different skill sets. I don't think James White's going to be on this team in the future. So okay. now they need to fill they need to fill a roster spot. Then that makes a lot more sense to me if that if that happens. Otherwise, I think this is a wasted signing. Honestly, I think he'll end up getting cut. I think they'll draft a running back late rounds, and it'll end up playing out Donald Brown. I don't, oh, I, to I don't replace a late round running back and James White. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, Nate Washington, receiver from the Texans. This one, I. This is my stupid one. This is my stupid one. How many times against you here? <laughs> how many times have you brought in these old retread wide receivers with big names that everybody knows, and they come here? And then all of a sudden, oh, you know, they really aren't as fast as they used to be because they're 38 years old, or they don't really don't care as much, and this, that, the other thing. Or they were never really that good. Or they were but, never yeah. really that good. They can't run the route. Whatever stupid excuse you have, Nate Washington is going to be the next one on that list of, do you, everybody, oh, Nate Washington, oh, he's so good in fantasy. Uh. Well, yeah, he's good in fantasy because 
nobody else on his team can fucking catch the ball, so he's the only one who gets thrown to. Right. He's not going to even if he makes a team, he's not seeing any time. And if he does, he's going to go out r- wide and just try to run over the top and take the safety off, blow the safety off the top for Gronk. In which case, do you think he makes the team over Aaron Dobson? Because I think that's a one to one position battle there between the two of them. Um, no, because Dobson can play special teams, and Belichick loves the special teamers. Nate okay. Washington, Nate Washington is not a special teamer at this point in his career. All right, no, fair enough. How about uh, the other receiver they picked up, uh, Chris Hogan from the Bills? Chris Hogan from the Bills is he related to Hulk Hogan? <laughs> he might be. Well, is he white or black? White. He's he is white. He's white. Uh, if he cha- come, here's a question for you: How come Bill Belichick has never been accused of being a racist? I don't know. He should be. He's got, he's got the whitest he's got, team. In he's the, got more white guys on his team than he any does. other team in the NFL. I know. I think. I think he's Carl, got way in here. I think he's got more white guys <laughs> at the wide receiver core than he does the rest of the league combined. I know. <laughs> and white punters. Oh, you never see yeah. those. Wait, that nah, doesn't make any sense. The Redskins have a black punter still, right, dude? That that's probably the why. Thing. That's, that's probably, probably why, why their special teams blows. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he averages 80 yards a punt. <laughs> just out of the... Just Le- Le- LeBron James a punt again yeah, from, from the 20-yard line. Just blasted into the fucking stands. Um, no, but Chris Hogan, he Bills, a.k.a. You know what his nickname is, right? Hulk? No. 7-Eleven. Because he's always open. Oh, my God. Did I ruin him for you yet? <laughs> oh, my God. Never mind. <laughs> hey, I didn't come up with it. That's a thing. That was a thing. Same thing. He's always open on a Bills... T- on a, you know why he was always open on the Bills? Because he was constantly saying, throw me the ball, I'm wide open, but the quarterback could never get him the ball. E.J. Manuel was punting it? Yeah, E.J. Man- e. Manuel couldn't get him the ball, so it just looked like he was open. Spiking it on first down? Yeah, no. Uh, that's too I'm, not, I'm not sold on him. All right, here are the two the two signings that I really liked, and I was really stuck to seeing them come through. One, he's a little older, but they needed to replace Chandler Jones. I know exactly where we're going. Defensive end Chris Long. Absolutely love it. Absolutely okay. love it. He was either what number one or number two overall pick two, back in the days in his thirties now. Yeah, um, but 30s. now, yeah, do you lose the raw skill of Chandler J- Jones? Yes, but Chandler Jones wasn't giving you any leadership per se. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Long has a skill set to be still very impactful, but his mind is going to be worth more uh, than what a lot of people think. Yep. Um, I I love that signing. I agree. I think he also brings a level of toughness that this defense, when they are at their best. They're playing, I don't want to say dirty, but they're playing tough. They're playing hard defense. Hard not nose give, defense. They're not gonna, giving anything up. They're going to make, exactly. make you earn your yards. They're going to they're gonna bust you in the mouth, and they're going to hit you hard, and they're going to make you think about it. And I think Chris Long brings that back to a team that once, I think, and I'll tell you what, for as much crap as people talk about this guy and for as downhill as his career has gone since he left New England, Brandon Browner brought to this team. There was a little bit of nasty in him, and I think Chris Long might be able to bring that back, especially to a defensive front that is young. And need someone like Long yep. to show them what to do. Last one, and this one I actually like the most out of everyone, Shea McClellan from the Chicago Bears, outside linebacker. He was a first-round pick. Didn't, did, did well, but didn't do great. Wasn't a Pro Bowl guy over in Chicago. I love him. See how many – my thing with outside linebacker, you're going to have him play that Ninkovich role. That's what I can see out of him. Um, and not that I'm a big Ninkovich fan personally, but w- what are we doing here? We're now two Ninkoviches on the field. Yeah, it's like N- Ninkovich does his job very well. Agreed. Like, I'm not n- ragging on him, but do we need two of them on the field at once? No, I don't think so. Um, and you're not going to cut no. Ninkovich. <laughs> 
Whatever happened to Nick Fairley? Did that never go through? Never went through. I would have loved that. Signing in New Orleans. I I, you would have seen. You would have seen a skinny boy in a fat man's jersey because I would have gotten <laughs> it in a triple XL and just rocked that. However, thing. there was a rumor today that Pot Roast Knighton was in New England. Pot Roast Knighton. Terrence Knighton. He was the. He's a big old defensive tackle from. He was in Denver for a while. Uh, Jacksonville last year. He was in. Actually, he might have been a Redskin too. Like a like a like a big old Teddy Washington type. Oh yeah, just like stand over the ball and just yeah. eat people. Yeah, He's I could big, get into that. Yeah. I think my next jersey is going to be a legitimate game sized D tackle jersey. Just wear it as a nightgown to games. No <sighs> pantaloons. That way, I can't pit my pants at the game. Adios, pantalones. <laughs> yeah, I know Spanish. Um, no, but yeah, supposedly that was the rumor today. Terrence Knighton was uh, supposedly in New England. They don't know what the terms are so they can figure that out but now mcclellan for me is a, is a very very underrated signing here a guy who has the skill to cover in uh the pass coverages good run guy smart is all hell i want to say he went to purdue or something like that but why what, wasn't it working out in chicago injuries uh i honestly don't know i think they just get, they got too many athletes there and they just didn't know you know how to hold on to him. he was one of those guys he was this is this is the end of his first his rookie contract so he's still pretty young i want to say he's only like 26 27 and um it was a case where they let him go thinking he they were going to be able to get him back off of a tender or something like that and it didn't work out i see what the fuck carl we got a good we got a good flow going you're just gonna play with your paper right there no no Put the paper, move my beer. Dump, God damn it. Dump that beer on his, <laughs> on his computer. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Please, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> see you. See <laughs> and end of show. We, we really need that. I finally have an excuse. <laughs> um, no, but I, I really like this pickup. I think he's one of those guys that... I don't think he's going to be a superstar, but I think he covers what you had in Gerard Mayo, and I think he still gives you some on top of that. And... Let's be honest with ourselves. We need a token white linebacker. So good we already s- have one with Nink. Ninkovich is done. He's too. I believe he signed for two more years. And Belich- oh, and Belichick just loves grabbing loves Nink's his pol- junk and his whipping players. his weenie around. Oh, like helicoptering his weenie. <laughs> helicoptering <laughs> his weenie right in the middle. <laughs> Meat spin. Meat spin. Yeah, he ripped his dick out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Ninkovich, Ninkovich is Belichick's favorite dude for some reason. Yeah, no, I, no, I don't know. I don't get it either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but they increased their white guy percentage on the team. It seems to be uh, seems to be a, a current trend. Yep. No, no racist in Belichick though. No, no, no. Um, all right. Last but not least, the Patriots drafting strategy going to the draft positions that you see, and do you have any players that you like going into it? And we will talk to. The great Keith Carmen from the Birds Pulse about the NFL draft in the coming. I think we're going to try to do our own draft show here with maybe our own ping pong balls, if you will. Maybe we can. Maybe we can throw together some. You're a dirty girl. <laughs> oh no, she's going to be a dirty girl. She's going to be a dirty girl. <laughs> oh god. Um, maybe we can we can put some money in the pot and see if we can get we'll, we'll get a flight for for Keith. We'll get him an overnighter. Get him up here for the for the night and. Uh, Get some drafts for the weekend. Stay at the, stay at the luxurious red roof suite. <laughs> the luxurious suite at Del, Del Boca, Boca Vista Studios. Studios. Exactly, uh, aka the couch <laughs> <laughs> or the floor, depending um, on how many people are here. Yeah, true. The stripper needs somewhere. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Carrot dirty girl. Um, no, but going into the draft, do you see any positions of need or anything that you'd like to see him draft, or any players that you have on the board currently? 
Um, no, they don't have any first rounders, and unfortunately, you don't get the second and third round. You should be getting players with good, solid NFL careers, mm-hmm. not necessarily impact players. Like I said, they got four picks in that first hundred. Um, I'm looking at depth at offensive line still. That defensive line is still very, very young. I don't think you need to go defensive line again. Maybe, I know they've tried this 19 bazillion times, maybe a real young, deep threat out wide offensively um, to take the top off the defense for Gronk, and you miss Martellus Bennett. Oh, Bennett. shit, that was the You idiot, you for Martellus Bennett. Yeah. But we'll um, get to that in a minute. We'll get to I that work in a with a bunch of idiots. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, just a lot of, like I said, maybe a late running back. Um, skill guys. I yeah. think you're not going to see, like I said, you're not going to see the impact player, I think, on either side of the ball. Um, maybe you go quarterback, try to move on from Garoppolo next year, however it works out. Yeah. I don't see too, too much. There aren't really any players. I don't know where they're going to go. Hopefully they don't pick a long snapper again. Um, that was awful last year. I didn't even know you could draft a long snapper. I thought you liked long snappers. I like long. Never mind. Never mind. It rhymes, though. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> no, snatchers. Come on, Carl. Um, <laughs> maybe a defensive back. I, they're looking pretty good. They don't have really so any big holes. You're, you're looking you're for, I'm same, looking for depth pieces. Yeah, you're in, the, you're in the same boat as me. Find players that you think can fit in and fill in, you know, in, in depth. And yep. for me, I'll tell you what, going into this draft, my biggest piece of it is find a couple players that have skill sets that you don't quite have yet. Get me a kick returner. You know? Yes. And, that's, yes. and that's a weird thing to say. Yes. Find me a guy who's like just an absolute burner who yep. can go do that. Yep. Find me a guy who is an absolute back end uh, safety who's willing to kill someone. Just right. like literally tear that off old, in the stands. Brennan Merriweather, just go back exactly. there and take they put the Vontaze rule in, perfect. Yep, they put the rule in this year. You can only take two personal fouls. Um, before I want, you toss, I, get I want a guy that in the first two plays of the game, boom, okay, boom. boom, set the tone. Now you go put um, McCordy back there, yep, and let him and let him roll. I agree with you there. Yeah, and, and then uh, receiver, running back. I'd like to see one more threat for Brady being thrown out there. And I'll tell you what, I've heard through the grapevine, breaking a story here, the Patriots like an Alabama player. Who it is, I do not know. But they like an Alabama player, and I would venture to say they will pick them in the second round. Henry? Possibly. Or another guy, a defensive tackle by the name of Sean Robinson. See, and, I, and I don't need another defensive tackle. Anyone we got named Sean is a good player by my count. Does he smoke weed? Fucking, of course. Well, then I like him. He grows weed. Be- Belichick loves his weed players. Um, my whole thing with... Defensive tackle is the past two three years you've drafted guys. I know they've been injured, but now you, I mean, it's good to have that problem. But you don't need four young defensive tackles, um, so that's that's my thought process. Depth pieces. If you want to get a skill, the uh, Chandler Jones esque outside rusher with a lot of raw talent, yeah. but needs some coaching. Do that. That's another thing that I yeah. You know, no, good good call there. But like I say. You, Either one, I, I, you're not going to get guys with the talent and the mind where they are. So you, I either want them to go, I want them to split their picks, half of them just the best athlete in the draft. Like you said, get somebody who ran a 4-1. How, how about a guy like Braxton Miller? I can't stand him. Anyone who's a quarterback that's converted to receiver, no, I just can't. I no, don't want to touch him. No, 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 I don't want to touch him either. Um, 
But like I said, you go whoever the fastest guy in the combine was, mm-hmm. draft him and say, and all you have to work on to make this team is catch a kickoff, and then just run as fast as you can out of the end zone. Like I said, that's a good skill position there that I didn't think of that they haven't had in years. Right. Um, yeah, little things like that. I like that. All right, cool. That's good with the Patriots. Let's move on. You to... still don't want to talk about Bennett? Oh, Jesus you Christ. suck. <laughs> you suck. I quit. I'm talking. To you guys. I'll talk to you guys. <laughs> I literally took my earbuds out. No, I can't hear anything. Um, yes, they traded for Martellus Bennett. Yeah. Whoa. Another bear. Wow. <laughs> interesting. No, but they go out there. They trade for him. I, what do they give up? A fifth, I have no idea. Fourth or fifth. I was banking on you knowing. Well, you know, I wasn't prepared tonight. <laughs> Shocker. Um, no, I think they traded a fourth round pick to pick him up. They go get him. This is a guy, I think he had 14 touchdowns last year. 14 touchdowns on 58 catches, I want to say. Yeah. 58-60 in there. He's a weird guy, no doubt about it. I've heard some really strange stories about him. But I think we're talking about probably one of the top five most, most athletic tight ends in the game right now. Being added to maybe the most athletic tight end in the, the game right now. The thing that I heard is now all of a sudden they're going to go back and try to go with their two tight ends, Hernandez, Hernandez yeah. and Gronk. I think Bennett's a little bigger and bulkier and not as fleet of foot as Hernandez was. Still still good speed end-to-end. Not quite the versatility that you got from Right, you from could bring Hernandez, Hernandez out of the backfield. You yeah, he's, Hernandez he's not, wide. You're not, yeah, you're not going to get that from Bennett. However, he's not necessarily a guy that you're going to ratchet him in and say, okay, he's a tight end, he has to be right on the end of the line. Right. He is a guy that you can split out wide. And I think well, I don't think it's going to be a Hernandez role, but I think what... They thought they were going to get yeah, from Scott, Scott Chandler, Chandler. Yeah. is what they're going to do with Bennett, and I think they will get most well, of that out of him. I think that they're going to have a very dangerous set now. You put Bennett. Stacks, your favorite. You put, I love Stacks. Stack you can do so much stuff go out Amon, of Stacks. You're going to go Amendola and Edelman on one side with Hogan wide, and then you're going to have the two titans. And then the you have the two titans on the other. And, and I'm not saying that's the best offensive setup in the league, but now who do you who do you who do you cover? Choose who you cover. Choose who you cover. And the best decision maker in possibly the history of football in Tom Brady. Right. Right. And Deion Lowe's probably right next right. to him. Right, exactly. And then you have Deion Lowe's coming out of the backfield, so fine, you get Edelman out wide doubled, you're gonna get Grunt doubled. Well that leaves you Amendola, Hulk Hogan, and <laughs> Bennett all single coverage. The American hero. And then you've got Lewis as your check valve out on a little wheel yeah. against a linebacker. You're gonna be looking you got a lot of options there. I think Brady. This will be his last. Stack him up, baby. This will be his last MVP level season. Yep. I think. I think Tom Brady will throw thirty-five, forty touchdowns, MVP, and it's just going to be beautiful. Yep. I, this is their last. This is the last shot, and I, I, I'm anxious to see how the draft unfurls. And that's why I asked about the draft. I'm anxious to see how it unfurls because if they do what they potentially could do. This will be the last hurrah, I think, for for the yep. Patriots. Last realistic hurrah for them yep. to win the AFC, which is still pretty barren for the most part. Yep. And go up against it the just NFC got more team. barren with no Peyton. Yeah, yep, Broncos exactly. team is not going to be the same. All there is yeah. left now or, is you or, or Brock. Oh, they lost Osweiler oh, yeah. too, to, yep. to Houston. I think it is going to be a very barren AFC, and unless the Steelers take a. a Huge step Quantum forward. Quantum leap yep. from where they were a year ago. The Colts have the ability to make... Those are the only two teams... Exactly. Those are the only two teams that have the ability to... It's going to be something make that scene, basically. Right. New England has this conference at their beck and call, and I don't think the NFC is going to be sending eighth into the podium. That's going to be much better. So, with that said, prime chance for New England here. Yep. So, 
Martellus, welcome to Stacks, New baby. I love those stacks. Stacks on stacks on stacks. Uh, but the Red Sox, let's hear about a couple of things that we have there. And the pitch. God damn it, can we get rid of this fucking song? If I have to listen to this all year, if I have to listen to this through October, I'm going to kill myself. Carl, you just have to make sure that we can talk Red Sox every week. I'm I'm already mad, and the regular season hasn't started yet. <laughs> You're only mad because your fantasy team smells like poop. I know. I slept through the first half. I got drunk yesterday on Easter and fell asleep. And then Pelly texted me, "Hey, where are you? We're supposed to be drafting." What are you talking about? Good news is you got Josh Donaldson and Troy Turlow. Bad you? news is is my number one. I got on and Ming Wang and. It, Drafted every position, and then I'm in the last ten rounds, and all I don't have any starting pitchers, I don't have any relievers. Oh, this nah, is gonna be tough. This is good. Wei Ling Chin out of somewhere in Japan, playing for probably probably the uh, Seibu Lions or whatever the fuck they are out there. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that he has a real, real low whip, if you will. <laughs> I heard those kids have tight whips. <laughs> uh. <laughs> yeah, you're fucked. Oh. That's Keeper League. Better luck next year. Yeah. Gilmore, Gilmore, Gilmore. I called your name, didn't I? <laughs> Better luck next year. <laughs> All right, so we got two socks items I did want to get to. Obviously, going into the season, there's two injuries that are really weighing on everyone's conscience. One being the knee injury with Eddie Rodriguez. The other being the forearm injury with the Nintendo slider style uh, Carson Smith that you were talking about. Your thoughts on those injuries, and have you heard anything about how long those injuries could potentially be? I was be watching here? the game, a little bit of the game today. Carson Smith looks like he's not going to be back before June Ugh. at the earliest, um, which means that sounds like Tommy John, and they're debating whether to give shut him surgery now. Yep, shut him down for the year and give him the surgery now, or wait and see if he's going to come back. You're playing a dangerous game that way because if he can't come back before June and you didn't give him the surgery now, now you're looking like you're going to miss him. Next into year, the, yeah, into the beginning, into the beginning right, of yeah. next year. So, not that it's a very extremely pertinent today that you have to make a decision, but by the end of April, you have to know what your plan is for him. Otherwise, right. you're gonna you're looking at losing a year and a half out of him instead of just a year. Um, Eddie Rodriguez with his knee looks like he's only gonna be out until the end of April. Only gonna miss a month. Not too bad. Honestly, sounds a little counterintuitive here. I think it helps out because they're gonna put him on a. On an yeah, innings, innings limit, limit, yeah, limit this yeah, year, yeah, yeah. so now save that arm. Um, you don't like seeing injuries, period. I'm not saying that it's a good thing. I think it is his plant knee that he hurt, but like I said, saves the arm. Um, the only takeaway I have is that staff is no longer looking as good as a staff <laughs> looked, and it's we haven't even gotten to the regular season, and this staff is starting to look a lot like last year's staff, where oh look, we got Porcello and we got Buckholtz, yeah. And, yeah, this year you have David Price, but what good is David Price? He's the only person on your roster that's ever pitched. Well, no, Porcello did it once. They pitched 200 innings. Yep. Other than that, you're looking at Buckholz, who averages 110 innings a year. Think about that. That's a that's a reliever. Porcello, who averages around 150-160 in spring training against bum opponents. He's got an ERA over nine, which is surprisingly better than his ERA for all of last year. <laughs> so he's improving. Um Steven Wright, you get what you get out of the knuckleballer. He's going to be an innings eater. And I heard this on either the radio, on the sports hub, or watching the game on ESPN. 
I think they're going to miss Wade Miley. Because Wade, and I'm not saying Wade Miley. I'm not saying Wade Miley was so good. He's going to make or break this rotation. Wade Miley for the second half last year was an innings eater. He yeah. was a John Lackey. Miley's a, he's a good arm. He's a guy, and I think I'll tell you what. I have him on my team in fantasy. I'll tell you this right now. In Safeco, I think it's Safeco yep. still right out there. Yep. He's big ballpark. He's going to look very good this year. Big ballpark. He's going to look a uh, ground ball lefty yep. in a big ballpark. Yep. He's going to have a very. He's going to look like a, a second or third pitcher out there yep. in, in Seattle. Like and said, don't, don't and I. But I'll say this: Don't sit there as a Sox fan and think because he goes right. fifteen and six with right. a three right. six five ERA right. that that's what he was going to do in, right. in Boston. No, no, that's no, not that's not the case. No, no, no. I agree with that. I liked Miley. I didn't like the trade. However, Carson Smith was worth the price of admission. Yep. But now you have an injury, which which creates. Well, you can't the, go the, back the and caveat. second guess it. Exactly. That happen. Exactly. And At the time we said that's a good deal. I think the big question now does Ronis Elias step into a role because I think there's going to be a role to be had out there in that bullpen. Does the, he now come out there as a lefty? I don't think he has the stuff over Carson Smith. However, can he step into a, a prominent role in one way or another? Maybe as a seventh inning guy and give you an option I mean, there, there from the left side. There's spots open, and that's a thing about the bullpen with every team, regardless of whether you're the yeah, last you know, place yeah, team or yeah, the first place yeah. team. You never know who's going to get hot on a year. Um, so I'm not worried about them necessarily filling the filling the holes. Like I said, now in retrospect, not that we need Wade Miley, but that's one hurts a little bit because I think he was somebody that every fifth day you're going to go off and get six, six and two-thirds, maybe a seven-inning appearance. Right. Going to go off, give you a quality start five out of six times or whatever. I'm not going to douse you with numbers. Not a good statistics guy. But grinder, like I said, inning chewer, um, that's looking like that's going to hurt now with the staff. But then again, I'm not going back and saying, oh, what morons, you know. Yeah. I think I think that was a very fair trade, and now you're kind of caught with your pants down because that staff is not as good as you thought it was. Yeah. You went and got Price and two relievers. Now you got one of the relievers injured. And I said all uh, offseason long, we need two starters, and instead they invested in one starter and two bullpen arms, and now it looks like they should have invested in two starters and one bullpen arm. And now you're, like I said, you're sitting there with a very, very question mark ridden staff. Yeah, no, I tend to agree. I mean, I'm anxious to see what Clay Buckholz gives you in a contract here. If he comes out and gives you a full year's work, gives you 30 starts. Which I, is, I don't, I don't not, trust him yeah, to do that. Even in a contract here, yeah, even in a contract here, because, which, because. If he gets injured this year, he's still going to go off, and he's still going to demand $15, $16 million on the market. Yeah. He's going to get that regardless of whether he pitches. And he's fine with that over yep. 24. Right. It doesn't make a difference the extra 10. Right. Yeah, I'll be anxious to see what he does, if he can give you that you know, 28 to 30 stars, which I'm totally fine fine with. If he can give you that amount, I'm, I'm good with it. If he has to take one 15-day DL stint, yep. whatever, that's probably better that he does do it. Erod coming back, that's going to be a huge thing for me. Does he come back? Does he give you the picture that you saw a year ago? Or does maybe even he, maybe does he even improve upon that? Obviously, he's got the stuff, but does he have the mental makeup to be a guy who can really lock himself in to be a solid third pitcher in a, in a this, staff? This isn't the year for him to make a big developmental jump, in my opinion. I think it's bigger for him to maintain his momentum from last year. Right. Usually, in any sport, rookies like that, they have a big first year because they're new. Sophomore slump sophomore slump to the point where you're not necessarily slumping, but the pr- people say, oh, he was nasty in his first year. He's only going to get better. No, you maintain it. And then the third year, the fourth year, that's where you make your big 
professional steps, your yeah. big developmental steps. So if he comes back and gives you anything close to what he I shouldn't say anything close, but reasonably close to what he gave you last year, um, I'll take that. And then, like I said, next year's a big year for me with his developmental process. Right, but it's still giving you four plus work. So call him a call him a, a week three, and then you're talking about. Porcello, who is the best paid fourth pitcher in baseball. Oh, and he's also the worst fourth pitcher in baseball. <laughs> Possibly. He pitches the contact in a way that I have never seen before. What? He's throwing, John- it down, throwing it down the middle of the. He yeah, gave up three weird. home runs today, Pelly. John Wasden. Three home, three home runs today. Way back. Way back, Wasden. Porcello. Joe Kelly is going to be the interesting one of this, Joe line, Kelly this, sucks. this rotation for me because he's a guy that I've been continually saying, and maybe, maybe with Carson Smith. Out of the uh, the equation, maybe there's an opportunity for Kelly to move to the bullpen because I think a guy with a gu- with an arm that good, why are you not putting him in the bullpen? He doesn't have a third pitch. He doesn't have a, a legitimate major league third. Because they don't want to put him in the bullpen because his talent's pitches. fucking there. And he's at two pitches. No, I know. No, I know. He can throw 95 plus miles an hour. Put him in the bullpen. Throw him in there in the seventh inning. He can give you three or four batters. I think we can all agree upon that. He is a very solid arm. I wonder if he doesn't batters. want to be a reliever who gives a shit what he wants well you, you say who gives a shit what they want you red jacket green jacket they're not they're gonna i shit. guarantee they start sandoval a third this year if you want to get into that whole discussion well we will get into that because discussion. however yeah which we might have some options there we'll see um no but for me i i it just makes and it's been for the last year and a half now i've been saying the same thing that that makes too much sense to me that joe kelly is a bullpen guy you put him out there See the arm. Do let, let him let his Spit arm fire. Let his arm talent body bag him. Be. <laughs> let his Carl arm. And I have a new term by the way. It's called body bagging. We'll explain it later. <laughs> Get body bagged, son. <laughs> Dealing out body bags. <laughs> so many body bags. You can build a wall. Yep. Then let him do that. We'll tell you after the show. This sounds, is funny. Sounds good. <laughs> um, but then the worry is, what does that rotation look like when you take? If you it, say theoretically, you go with my thought process. Carson Smith's not coming back this year. Joe Kelly now becomes the Carson, quote unquote, Carson Smith. Who's your five? Right. Rodriguez is out. Who's your five now? Henry Owens. Henry Owens is just as good. He's Han, got a lot of potential. How old Han, is he now? Thirty-seven. Hanrique Owens. What is so he? Thirty-seven call, now. You're, you're calling him into the rotation, which I think they should do because you know what? You know they no other options with him. No, they. Yeah, they, get rid of him. Cut him. Give him his paycheck. Let him leave. He had the <laughs> most. He had the. Think about this. He had the most walks in not all of baseball, like all prof- like major league baseball, all professional baseball. Major leagues to short season single A to Can Am League to what to the Natick Men Softball League. He had more walks than anybody in the world. No lie. Last year, last year, kid can't hit the plate. Get him the hell out of town. I don't know why people are still. Oh, he's such a good prospect. He was such a good prospect. Why the fuck isn't he on the team? Like it. Because he's a good prospect, it, not a good pitcher. Pack him up with Pablo Sandoval. Get yourself two ham sandwiches. Give one to Sandoval for the plane ride to where the fuck you ship him, and be all set. All right. So that's that. That's the current issue that they have, no doubt about it. However, there is a rumor, a growing rumor, that the San Diego Padres are willing to take on Pablo Sandoval for a possible trade. Do it right now for James. Do it yesterday. Shields. Do it yesterday. 
Do it two weeks. Now, you take James Shields on. Where does he slot into this rotation? I don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Is Is James Shields right now better than Clay Buckholtz? Not on their best days, no. Is James Shields going to give you more than 110 innings a year? Probably, yes. So he's better than Clay Buckholtz, in my opinion, for what you need this year. You'll get a better 110 innings out of Buckholtz, but you will never see more than 110 innings okay. out of Buckholtz. Is he better than Stephen Wright? Yeah. Is he better than Rick Porcello? Oh, yeah. Okay. Do it now. <laughs> Do it now. You Think about how much fuel you're going to save on your plane trips without <laughs> Sandoval's fat ass weighing the plane down. <laughs> You laugh. I'm being dead serious. He has to buy two All right, seats. So it seems Isn't like if they thing? were to do that deal, they probably... Uh, I think the the deals run congruent for three years. Yep. Thought process is you'd have to take on most of the fourth year of that deal. For who? Sandoval? For Sandoval. Still doing it. Take on the whole fucking deal. I don't <laughs> care. I, they, 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 listen to this. I, I heard this today. Charrington's the last moves. Sandoval? Hand ram. Hand ram. Alan Craig. Oh, he's no, sti- that was from the year he's before. Still, he's still on the books for this year, $9.5 million. Next year, $11 million. You ready for this one? The year after, $13 million. Can he make... Is he on the first... Is he on he's the, not on the 40-man roster anymore. He's not. He might be playing in AA Portland this year. He can't get on the field because he sucks banana dicks. <laughs> like, he's terrible. <laughs> he's absolutely terrible. <laughs> Mark that time down. <laughs> Banana dicks. <laughs> you guys laugh. I'm being dead serious. That was he blows. Poor cello. Poor cello, who statistically last year was the worst pitcher in Major League Baseball. Yes. He was very bad. Those were his last, what, four? Oh, and Rusty Castillo, who can't get in the majors either. That was his last five for a total. For a total, listen to this $87 million. For all of them? For all of them. Well, all of them per year for the next oh, God. three years. That is half of your fucking payroll. Almost half of your fucking payroll. I believe that's double the Tampa Bay Devil is payroll. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And these guys don't even play. Like, they don't even play. Alan Craig. You think Sandoval's a waste of space. Alan Craig is a waste of space. He, if anything, he takes away meals from Sandoval <laughs> at spring training. <laughs> He's just so bad. Oh. Three more. So this year, over under 35 wins for the Sox. Oh, they'll have over, but not by much. <laughs> no, the over under in Vegas right now is 87. That's I don't I don't high. I don't think I don't think they're a 500 team this year. I think I'm, they break- I'm not getting roped into what I did last year. Last year you and I sat here <laughs> and we jerked each other off to how good it was going to be. Hand oh my god, we're going to we're going to He's going 35. We're going to lead off with we're going to lead off with Mookie Betts, have Pedroia in the two hole. Uh, Sandoval in the, or Hanley in the three hole, yeah. Poppy, and we literally here have our dicks in our hand, just <laughs> yanking it, and they won seventy three games last year. Not even, I don't think. Do, do you think they finish in last place in the AL East? Um, no, because the Rays are pretty fucking terrible. But yeah, they have a horrible lineup. <laughs> yeah, but if it wasn't for the Rays trying to be the worst team in baseball, uh, the Sox might. I don't think they'd be the worst team in baseball, but. I the more and more I think about it, I'm not getting roped into. I was too happy. I cannot be a happy sports fan with anything. No, I was too happy. Reverse karma. I told you. Reverse karma. We started the show. (laughs) I said your reverse karma is the most. It's the best thing for any Boston sports team. So if you start low on them, 
Sox winning a series, but the oh, yeah, no, 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 I've got them winning about 67 games, which means they're good <laughs> slotted for 72. Awesome. All right. My, my hopes are high. Solid, solid season. Alan one. Craig, if you want, you can come on the show because I know you're not going to be anywhere near Fenway this year. <laughs> oh, my God. What speak, a, speak. I, forgot, I forgot about him, too. I'm sorry. I don't mean to rant on him. I forgot about him, and I heard his name. Too. I'm like, oh, yeah, Alan Craig. Oh, yeah. Wasn't he dumb last year? Oh, no, he's on this year. Next year and the year after, you know, we, we got increasing contracts ten percent every year. Got, Beautiful. Be- let's le- let's legitimately give John Henry more money to go into a ball game and watch him just go dump fucking five gallon buckets of hundred dollar bills into <laughs> urinals and just flush them. <laughs> you know, you know they got Joe Kelly and him in the same trade, right? Oh, good, good. Yeah, for Lackey, how's yeah. that working out? How's that working? Lackey's still pitching good. Lackey's still pitching good. He's in Chicago this year. And you know what? Henry's going to be able to save money and do it all over again because he's going to use a toilet water to mop the fucking floors <laughs> in the place. If uh, there's one thing he knows, it's toilet water. That's oh, sure. my God. That's for damn sure. All right, speaking of great teams, the Boston Bruins. Oh, you want to you know who else sucks banana dicks? <laughs> banana dicks. <laughs> <laughs> Is he useful? For Carlos have the drop. Carl's all messed up. He's laughing over here at the banana dicks. Carl's drunk. He's got Telemore do run through his veins <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> God damn it! I hate this fucking song too. I'm gonna go take a poop. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it going. Carl looks like he's stroking the two ends of a double-ended dildo. All right. Shut this off. This sucks. No more drops or call. No more sound clips. Nothing. All right, we're done. Bruins suck. Pelly's <laughs> taking a shit. I don't know what he wants me to talk about with the Bruins because. So, uh, so but, how? I mean, well, if the if the playoffs were to start today, they're in. Um, yeah. I know what I'm going to talk about with the Bruins. I'm. When what else la- would you talk well, about with the Bruins? Well, the last no, no. suck, banana dicks is, I believe, is a correct term. <laughs> banana dicks, uh, All right, brand I- new term. That's that's the new mascot. Um, yeah, we, we got two things. One is this team making the playoffs? Let, let me get there. Let me get there. Let me let me start with the other one. Build up, nice and slow. Okay. Last time we talked about the Bruins, they were seven zero and one coming out of a trade deadline, and everybody is jumping onto the bat- bandwagon. And they're winning the cup. <laughs> they're winning the cup. And we're so good. And we made it to first place in the division. And I sat down here right next to you, Pelly, And he said, how far have you jumped into the water? And I said, I went from toe deep to ankle deep. And why did I go to ankle deep? Because, hey, good. I'm not saying a 7-0-1 run isn't a bad stretch. That's actually a very good stretch. A lot of teams don't go on that kind of stretch for the whole, throughout the whole season. Fair. That was right before they went out to the West Coast. And when they went out to the West Coast, the last time they played those West Coast teams, they got outscored 15-4 to in three consecutive games. It's not bad. They went out there, and they didn't get outscored 15-4. to They lost all three games, or more than that. They went on a five, six-game skid. Um, then you have a come back, have a chance to play the Panthers. You lose. Luckily, you got a crap bag Toronto team that you almost gave that game away in the first period this weekend. Mm-hmm. They were able to battle back good, show some toughness, show some grit, fine. But this is the problem with this team, and this is why I'm not saying they're dangerous, Pelly. They're going to win a cup, but this is what makes them very dangerous to whoever they play in the first round or the second round if they make it there 
is they're a very hot, very streaky team. If you catch them when they're on that 7-0-1 and they're playing real well, I don't. they beat the Blackhawks in that run. No, I don't think you're going to beat the Capitals, but you don't have to face Capitals in the first round. But that's when all of a sudden that type of hockey isn't going to result that well on the scoreboard. But now all of a sudden, if you're Florida and they get hot, Florida, you're going to be done real quick if you let them do that. On the other hand, Florida can play like dog poo, and the Bruins <laughs> can play like worse dog poo, and they're out in four. I don't see them getting into a... There's levels of dog poo. I, I, don't, I don't see them... There's the white dog poo. There's the fresh dog poo. Somewhere in there is the Bruins. <laughs> For the spray. I don't... I don't think that they're going to have a playoff series that goes six or seven games. I think if they win, I think they win in four or five. I think if they lose, they lose four, in four or five. If they, get, if they get into the playoffs, this is what we should do. And tell me if you're down. They, if they make it into the playoffs... I think we should spend however long it takes for them to get out of the playoffs here. I got your Wi-Fi. I can work right from here. I'll work from your house, and we're just, we'll just drink every single day until they're well, out That's of the what playoffs. we did the last time they won the cup, and I would take my pants off during games. Remember that? I do remember that. I know, what, so my they, fucking chop liver over here? You can, well, come the, too. you can come too, but you have to take your pants off. Okay. This is a no-pants party. No I never pants wear party. pants, so... <laughs> Um, That's why we now, do radio. <laughs> now, with regards, with regards to if they What's miss the playoffs, Anaconda. I don't think. I Come don't on, think. This dick out. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Go on. Go on. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs two years in a row in that fashion. I'm not putting it. I don't. I'm not putting it past them. Mm-hmm. But if they don't, I want Claude out and. I am really looking at Cam Neely's job. That's what, that was going to be my that was going to be my big question is is do you see any any circumstance that they keep Claude around? He gets into the, the second round of playoffs. A second round, that's it. That's all I got to do. Yeah. Oh, I'm honestly surprised he lasted this long. Honestly, that was one of my biggest things. I said, if they don't come out of the gates well, like a fucking lion on my, fire, my, he's got to be gone. My problem like a with banana Clo- dick. My problem with Claude is he's won a cup. I think that he's X's and O's wise, not necessarily the style of hockey that I'd like to see, but it's a winning style with the right team, with the right makeup. Yeah, they broke that up. They're trying to rebuild it. They're not rebuilding Claude's style. What he can work with. He's, I believe, the longest tenured coach in the NHL right now. It gets to a point where the two parties have to go their separate ways. The players don't seem to be listening to him. He doesn't seem to be getting... I think it's on both sides, though. I don't think that they're not listening to him because he's an idiot. I think that's part of the players, too. Hey, you're a professional. You get paid millions of dollars to play a sport. You have to get up every day and go off and give 110% in practice and in games. But if the players aren't going to listen to him and he can't figure out how to get the players to listen to him, it's time to bring a new voice in. Even if you want to go with the same type of X's and O's strategy coach, that's fine. You need a new voice in that locker room from the top. Um, He's the first to go. And I really think that now with this collapse, if and they're not going to get rid of Cam this year, and unfortunately they're never going to get rid of Cam because the Jacobs have a huge hard-on for him. Mm -hmm. But if this happens again next year, now, all of a sudden, what's a constant that's been there throughout this whole collapse? Cam Neely. Yeah. And he's got to go. Cam Neely did not build that whole first Stanley Cup winning team from scratch. A lot of that was given to him. And now they haven't drafted well. And you can blame that on 
the GM regardless Shirelli, on yeah. Shirelli or if they keep drafting poorly like they did last year, Sweeney. But at the end of the day, I don't think sure I don't think Sweeney calls the shots. I think Shirelli could call his shots. And I think there was some disconnect between Shirelli and Cam. That's why Shirelli isn't here anymore. I think yeah, Sweeney, exactly. That's why you saw one down season and then Shirelli's right, gone. Right, right. And I think Sweeney's more of Cam's little bitch boy and will do whatever Cam says. And now Cam's the one calling the shots. So to save himself, I think he gets rid of Claude. They're not a cup. They don't have a Stanley Cup winning roster right now. Don't get me wrong. But they should not miss the playoffs. They are at least a top three team in their division. Their division's weak. With this roster they've got, and they should win a round. If you did this 100 years in a row, that is your expectation for this roster. You should win a round, and you should make the playoffs every single time. Doesn't look like they're going to do that in either aspect. Either making the playoffs or not winning a round. It doesn't look like they're going to do that. Something's got to give. Um, I'd like to see both Claude and Cam, but Cam, unfortunately, is turning into the Harry Sinden of the Bruins of the 80s and the 90s, that the Jacobs love them, and they're not going to fire them. All right, one more question real quick on the Bruins. You're the GM right now. You get to choose the replacement coach and any moves that you see in the offseason. What would your moves be? Well, they lost a chance at Babcock last year. That would have been awesome. Um, I don't know which head coaches are up this year. I believe the Penguins fired Dan Bilesma early the, earlier this year, and he hasn't beat and he hasn't been um, picked, picked up, up by anybody. Anyone, no. Now Dan Bilesma, I'm not necessarily a big fan of his style either, but he knows how to work with skill players. He had Crosby and Malkin and all the great offensive teams of the Penguins, and he won cups with them. If you're going to go with Dan Bilesma, well, sorry, now you. I love Patrice Bergeron. But now do you liquidate your assets with Patrice Bergeron to get a more skilled offensive center instead of a Selkie winning center every year? Mm-hmm. Using that as an example. I don't trade Patrice Bergeron. That's asinine. But you know what I mean? Now you start looking at your players. Yeah, you don't want the grit, gritty winger like a Marshawn. Marshawn's got a value. Go flip that for a straight score. I would like Bilesman, but their roster isn't built to... He's not going to be able to do anything with it because the roster isn't built to what he likes either. Right. So I I will get back to you next week. I will look at who's up for head coaches, um, and I'll get back to you with what I think. Scotty uh, Bowman. Oh, that would be awesome. Um, Ray Bork. No, 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 no. I don't want a Bruins guy. That's that's this organization's problem for the past 30 years. Robbie Fatorik. <laughs> that's, my, that's, my, that's my answer to everything. Pat LaFontaine. Big Dick Nash. LaFontaine. <laughs> Big Dick Nash. From Hoonsocket, Rhode Island. <laughs> um, Hall of Famer. I, I will get back to you on the coach. I'll look that up. I wasn't expecting that question. My apologies. Thomas Vanny the Tranny. Vanny the Tranny would be awesome as head coach. I think he's still playing. Right? Just whipping his boobs and his penis around. He's like, oh my God, <laughs> look at it. Helicoptering is If you're going to go players, if you're going to go players, you need to go defensive. I think you have to tear it down. I think you have to tear it down. And with tearing that down. How do they not get rid of Chara if there was any? Kelly, can I ask you a question? Can yeah, I, can okay, I, go ahead. As someone who's pretty, I'm pretty. Non knowledgeable when it comes to okay. hockey. Was there any chance that they could have traded away Chara in yes. any capacity? Yes, there was a chance they could trade Louis Erickson, 
And that that's a big mistake in my mind. Well, yeah, no, well, but, but, but yeah, and Pelly, we but. say this in every sport. And I'm going to use your Boston Celtics as an example sure. here. I know it's a little different because the Celtics don't have a Chara caliber player, if you will, translating back and forth or Chara style. No, they don't have anyone that bad. Okay. Now, who? So you want to trade for Demarcus Cousins? That's all great and dandy. You. Your players aren't worth anything. You know, who on the Celtics is really worth something by themselves? Isaiah, but... And are you, but are you going to give up Isaiah? So Isaiah is your Bergeron, if you will. Sure. Okay. Which is a bad comparison, but work with me here. So now, they think Zidane Ochara, oh, he's a, he's a captain of the team, and he's the so biggest... It was- and he's the biggest center in the league, uh, or the biggest defenseman in the league. And it's they evaluate. That's what they do with Louis Erickson, and that's why you didn't hear too much about Chara moving. But I think that they called around and said, "Hey, what can we get for Chara?" And they're looking at it like, "Well, he's worth more than that." And unfortunately, he's not. So it wasn't a case of not finding a trade. I don't. Th- I don't it was think a it's case not a, of not thinking I, they were getting enough. I don't. I. That's what happened with Louis Erickson. I. I have a feeling they were talking to, about everybody this year, with the exception of maybe. Bergeron, uh, Marshawn, and Rask, maybe even Krejci, I'll throw him in there. Other than that, I think anybody should be on the table. And same thing, all of a sudden, Louis Erickson. Oh, well, what did you get offered for Louis Erickson? Oh, we got offered a first and a second. You got offered a first and a second, you didn't take that? What the fuck's wrong with you? Yeah. That's asinine. Oh, well, we think he's worth two firsts. Well, obviously not. If your best offer is a first and a second, what are you, now what are you doing? You're losing him in the offseason, you didn't get anything for him. Now, you can't let some t- team lowball you and say, oh, yeah, we're going to give you a 6th and a 7th. That's stupid, too. But you, uh, they've got a very, very big problem down there now with evaluating what their players are worth. Yeah. Vetrano's scoring, what, 30 goals in 35 games this year, or 35 goals in 31 games. If somebody, if they call up next, or this offseason, well, we need defense, let's trade uh, Vetrano for Drew Doughty. The Kings are going to be like, yeah, we'll trade you Drew Doughty's skate form. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they, they're they overvaluing their own assets, and that's the biggest death of... Look at the Sox. The Sox did the same thing with those five players that we mentioned. Yeah. They overvalued their assets. They overvalued their contributions, and now you're fucked because you go, you want to trade Pablo Sandoval? You're eating all Sandoval's money. You want to trade Zdeno Chara? You're eating all of his money, and you're not getting a first-round pick for him right now, you might get a fringe, pro- a B-level prospect and a second-rounder. They, they screwed it up. They screwed it up. And same thing, I wonder if that's Sweeney or I wonder if that's Neely at this point. All right. Now glad to hear it. All right. Last item of the night, ESPN or... We are not ESPN. The Ocho. Fuck ESPN. <laughs> Fuck you. This is OTW, the Ocho. So this week's Ocho brought to you by... I believe there's a game on right now, actually, that we're talking about. Dragon Milk. Yes, this week... What's the score? As I did mention right in the... I don't fucking care. Um, The beginning of the show, I did kind of uh, elude to... Tease. um, The fact that we would be talking about women's basketball tonight. College, College basketball or WNBA? No, 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 no. <laughs> women's college basketball. WNBA is a beautiful game. Um, Nichols this, college basketball, by any chance? The, <laughs> also a very beautiful game. Um, no, this comes on the heels of a uh, Twitter battle slash uh, media battle between Dan Shaughnessy and Gino Oriema of the 
University of Connecticut women's basketball team. Um, as story goes, Dan Shaughnessy came out with a tweet slash article um, mentioning that he didn't he felt that the UConn team and their greatness and how dominant they've been over the last twenty five years is ruining the progression of women's basketball on the NCAA level. Fair. I think uh, you know winning by 60 in the second round of the NCAA tournament is probably a pretty good indicator that that is true. Was that the second round or was that the Sweet 16? Uh, good, good good, question. I thought I think it was a Sweet 16. All right, so call it the Sweet 16. <laughs> Even worse. So you're talking about a, probably a, what, fourth, four or fifth seed. Seed, fourth, fourth or fifth seed? Mississippi State was, it was a Sweet 16 because Mississippi State was a four seed. Okay, so you're talking Sweet I, 16. I turned it on at the end of the first quarter. The score was 40, or at the end of the second quarter. Because don't let quarters. Mississippi State get hot. Four, yeah, I turned it on right midway through, and I texted our UConn extraordinaire, Brandon Wallace. Um, I don't know if he's listening now. I think he was listening to us earlier. Um, I turned it on with like three mi- no seven minutes left in the second half. The score was 48-8. to eight. And then by the end of the first half, the score was 56-13, to 13, 14. Mm-hmm. Very well-played game. Yeah, no. Um, and Dan Shaughnessy had the audacity to say that uh, UConn is ruining the women's game by... Basically creating a divide that is more or less uh, impossible for the average team to be able to close. Therefore, they almost cannot be upset. And even when they are upset... The odds of them getting upset in yeah, tonight's will, game... Yeah, give, give, give us, the, give us the, the bet breakdown right this now. This is factual. This women's is, basketball. This is the Vegas money line on a women's bas- college basketball game. This is an Elite Eight game, too. This is an Elite Eight game. UConn is playing whatever bum team that they're going to kill by 120 points. And to win $100 in Vegas on the money line, you have to bet $63,000 just to make a dime. To win, to just win to win 100. 100. I'll do the math right now, but I believe that if you bet $100 on the game, you lose money because of the VIG. Like, I think you only get two cents back on your, on your bet. I'll, look at, I'll do the math real quick right now. Fantastic. $63,000 to win 100 Yeah. So here's my thing. And Oriama obviously came out, was outraged by someone saying that, which is in its own right. I mean, obviously, Gino Oriama lives in his own world. Let's, let's, not, let's not get that confused. I don't know how to give credit to a guy who doesn't oh, have this nut you win, sack. If, if you bet $100, you win one one-thousandth of a penny. Oh, not, that's not bad. <laughs> Good investment. You get a better return at your bank in a savings account, <laughs> surprisingly. Yeah, every six months you get uh, <laughs> five cents. But here, Oriama comes out, obviously, outraged that somebody would ever say anything against him, his team, or women's basketball in general. And... My initial reaction is... is Coach no, a men's team? It's Yeah, no, no more than, you know what, Gino? Why don't you take on a challenge? How about that? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be a shocker? Ooh. Takes on the UMass Amherst basketball team. Go try to win a game. Go try to win a few conference games there. You know what? There's a pretty shitty team right up the street in Chestnut Hill. Oh, that go, would be awesome. Go try that one out, tough guy. No, 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 no. This is Gino Oriyama. This is, this is a basketball Mount Rushmore coach. 10 national championships with a women's team at UConn where he has picked up more top 10 prospects, rated top 10 prospects out of high school than every other school combined in all of women basketball. 
Can you imagine that in the last 25 years? He has more talent pumped into his team every single year than Alabama, Auburn, every SEC team combined. Okay, well, the thing thing is... I'm playing devil's advocate here with you now. I'm just, I'm Good just, luck. I'm, I'm just playing. De- I'm gonna try. I'm you gonna try to you help got, you play you, devil's well, advocate. Well, no, no, there is no devil's in, advocate. In the here. beginning, in the beginning, you got to give him credit. Then all of a sudden, you get a good he team. Be- just like Duke, you, players want to go play for Duke yes. because Duke's a yeah. good team. Got to give him credit for that. He built the program. Agree. I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden we see our first uh, women's sport, athletic pay to play thing here. In the next couple of years, all of a sudden you find all no. these UConn players. You don't think so? No, I, I don't think so. I I think because that, that says you know I think he's built a you brand so strong no. that there's nowhere else. Then to you, go. And with Pat Summit and the unfortunate yep. situation that we saw happen, yep. in Tennessee they haven't made us. They haven't made God a final four her. since 2009. This is the longest time in school history they haven't made it to a final God four. God bless her, and it is unfortunate as all hell because that was his number one, and she hated him. Yep. And she hated him, and she hated him for the most correct reasons I've ever seen in sports. Whether it's a Peyton Manning versus Tom Brady thing or you know whatever else that you want to go with. The most correct reason you've ever hated someone is because he diluted basketball in a horrible way. In a sport that it's very easy to do that in. And he did a fantastic job of doing it. And he does not have the fortitude to step into an arena that is above one that he is in right now. He doesn't want to step into the next level. Right. He doesn't want another challenge because he knows he can absolutely destroy what he's already right. in front of him. And I have no respect for a man who's not willing to take, especially after that level of dominance. And I'll give him credit. What he did early on there was unbelievable. But it, you get to that level, try the next level. You know, right. Gino, take a step up, even if it's a WNBA job. You know, right. and I, I, know, I say even if it's a WNBA job, and I know that's semi-offensive well, for the well, feminists out well, there. Well, not even that. I, I would argue a WNBA job. I would show me something. I would argue a WNBA job is worse than a college basketball than a women's college basketball job right now. Though. Worse, maybe, but more of a difficulty to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, fair enough. You have national championship winning men's basketball coaches in that division right now. Bill, you have guys who have done Bill Lambier. NBA <laughs> champions. Yeah, Bill Lambier, head coach who have of won the, at New York the highest Liberty. of the high in terms of the the level that they've coached at, and or the, I'm sorry, the level they played at. They've seen the pinnacle of basketball. Gino Auriemma has never seen the pinnacle of basketball, and he has such a dominance over a certain level of sport that at some point you have to say, you know what, you're the problem, dude. You are the problem. See, and if he wants well, to run away from it, fine. Well, but try something a little bit more the, the aggressive. Fr- the frustrating thing with uh, me with Gino is, you know, we always say, oh, basketball, head, NBA co- head coaches arguably have the easiest job because you have the best athletes in the world. Go out and play. Here's a ball, yeah. LeBron. Right. You know, LeBron's going to call. Just, just roll it out there. Right. LeBron, you, you're going to get the ball. Somebody's going to set a high screen for you. You're going to go to the rack and dunk it. Fine. I could fucking do that. Right. But now it's gone to the point. I know there's more to it. And you understand that being a sports fan. It's gone to the point now where Gino legitimately, I don't think needs to coach. I think he can just walk into an arena, not say anything to his players. Like I said, sit on his chair right next to the scorer's table. Doesn't even have to make subs. And, And you know what the other thing too that gets me is, I'm not turning this into a Coach K thing. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. But, no, you can mix it in but, if you want. But Co- okay, Coach K, I kind of like, I hate Duke, but I kind of, I respect Coach K. And he, this week he tells the kid, 
you're a better player than that to chuck a ball up at the end of the game. Stop showing off. Okay, well, when Gino gets beat, he's probably, he's, he's the worst sport about it in the world, you know? When he wins, he has no problem ringing up the score in a Sweet 16 game and leaving his starters in there through the third quarter. No problem doing that. But now some now whoever they play tonight end up beating them by four, and one of them chucks a ball up at half court and starts celebrating. He'll make the story about that. He's going to make the story about, yeah. I can't believe the lack of class that XYZ University had. Can you believe that? And it's like the class they, that they or had. Or if they storm the court, he'll make it about, oh, storming the court is so dangerous right. or something like that. Right. He's... He's he's a spineless coward. That's all I've got for right. him, and, and I and I hope and my I, I pray that he hears it because I have no respect. And it's not because he's a women's basketball coach because that's what it's going to be twisted into. It's not about that. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's mostly about that. No, but at some point you have to look at at, at your. I'm not going. Right, here's the thing, and, and take this for what you will, because you you are a former high school wrestler. I am a former high school wrestler. Yes, in a, in a, in a pretty decent one, in a school that was very very successful. Yes, Natick was a very. I didn't. I got nine wrestling varsity wrestling matches in my career. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here. If I went to any other school around here, I probably would have been a varsity starter for two three years. Okay, that's so how the, good. That's how good our school was. I could barely break in against. Unless I was wrestling Perkins School for the Blind. <laughs> Fair enough. But that's like basically saying Gino Oriema is me wrestling you. Now, well, no, you, I can beat you. Now, yeah, I, I, I beat you up before. Your, your skill set, <laughs> obviously, better. But my my pure size is probably going to beat you 99 out of 100 times. Yep. Where is the level of uh, should I be doing that or should I find you but you at 250 pounds? Right. Wouldn't that make more sense? Right. No, like, like I said, that, that's, that's, not... the thing, that's the thing that gets me is, you, what, next time he loses, I don't know whether it's going to be this year, might not be next year, might not be the year after, but the next time he loses, wait for it. Cause oh, yeah. It'll, he's going to lose some excuse. Right. Some the, the, horrible, you, you know, he'll let's... walk off the court, do the old Pistons thing, walk off the court. This is embarrassing. And it's like, Gino, I don't mind you going off and winning every single game, but if you're going to be a sore loser, you're a sore winner already. You can't be a sore loser. You know, except the yeah. fact that you get beat once every five years. Yeah. Sorry. It's it's just frustrating. I have a huge problem with it, and I hope I hope at some point I understand either what he said UConn goes to him and says, hey, I'll go leave, find something else I'll to leave, do. Or... I'll end my comments with this. I will say, and I understand his thought process, when Tiger was the best golfer in the world, he helped the sport. And I and I agree with that. And when he first said that, I'm like, you know, that's not a bad point because – now UConn is forcing other teams to get better to beat them, therefore increasing the product of women's college basketball in a whole, you would think, correct? Right. I understand that thought process. However, it being a team game, if you get the 10 best athletes every year, Gino, and you have the, All-Ameri- the McDonald's All-American squad of women playing for you, they're going to naturally beat everybody. That's why... now. Men's sports are different. I'm not trying to make a direct correlation here. But why do you think Coach Calipari wins? Because he'll go off on any given year and get the top seven recruits, and now you've got the best kids in the country playing on one team. Yep. There's no competition where now all of a sudden the girls say, well, I'd rather go off and win every year and ride the pine 13th player on the bench and play for UConn than I would. And that's a shame on the player, too, that they say, no, you know what, let's go out to Stanford. Let's get – screw Gino. Yeah, he might get the one through five, us five through ten. Let's go out and let's go up for, against them for 
for five for four years and see if we can beat them. Let's end their streak. That's an indictment on the athletes too. Yes, I agree with that. And that that's that's where I'll leave it. No, I totally agree. I'm just totally sick of of Gino Auriemma and his bullshit. He is such a such a squid, such a spineless coward. Try try something a little bit a little bit more difficult. Ugh, it's so gross. Come on, off the wagon, like sports I said, radio. Like I said, you know what? You want you want to you want to challenge there, Gino. You want to be a real star? Go to Boston College. Yep. Slide over to Boston College. You go show me what you got. A team that couldn't win in there in in the ACC this year. Go try it out over there. You go show me how much of a how much of a stud you are over there, buddy. Okay. You won't sign one player in the top 100. I guarantee he wouldn't be able to because you know what they're going to do? They're going to say, "Huh? Who are you?" Oh, oh, the UConn women's coach. <laughs> yeah, I'll sign on that dotted line. <laughs> Fucking, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, man up, dude, man up. Pat Summit, God, you know, I, I. That, she that, passed that, away yet? That, and she hasn't, and that is the worst thing that's ever happened. I was happened a big Tennessee to fan. women's college basketball. That at is least the there saddest, was, worst thing At least there was a two teams. Yes. Because, and unfortunately, in the women's game, there isn't enough. And that's not. And I'm not saying that as an indictment on women's athletes, but in that there aren't enough. And I, good I'll tell players. you what, I hated Pat Summit until all that stuff happened, and then I realized how important she, she was, was to the landscape of to that the landscape sport. of women's basketball. Yep. And I, I mean, obviously, I, I'm not a huge women's sports fan to to say the least. But that was one of the worst things that's ever happened to women's sports is yep. Pat Summit coming down with Alzheimer's. That is just what a what a sham. Yep. What a sham. Yep. But uh, Gino, you're a pussy. <laughs> Good luck this year. I hope you get upset in the championship game and you cry like a little fucking fag. <laughs> I hope that I might go put a hundred dollars because I'm thinking if the money line is bet sixty three thousand dollars to win a hundred, yeah. I'm thinking if you put a hundred on uh, whoever they're playing and they win, you get sixty three thousand. That might be worth the bet right there. I agree. I tend to agree. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll half that. All, All right, I'll, perfect. I'll half half finance. But uh, that's off the wagon for this week. Episode fifty. Episode fifty. It was, it was a landmark episode. We kind of just let it come and go, but uh, you know we've been celebrating a little too much. We celebrate every episode, to be honest. <laughs> um, but no, thank you for everyone who's been listening in for the last fifty episodes. We plan on doing it for at least another fifty episodes, if not another billion episodes. Yep. We will not do it for another billion episodes because that would mean that's like for the next like seven hundred years. So we'll probably be dead before then. Uh, but we're gonna go as long as somewhere we possibly in between. Can. We'll, be, we'll be somewhere in between a billion and fifty. 50. <laughs> you choose the number. We'll we'll make it there, <laughs> or we'll try to anyway. Uh, thank you for everyone on Twitter. Obviously, it was I was actually kind of absent this week, so my apologies. It's been a crazy couple of weeks at work. I actually work in the professional sports atmosphere, and uh, a lot of pro sports have their uh, sponsorship reporting going in the next couple of weeks oh, really? so they're reporting their sponsorship numbers nifty you would be shocked at how much money these these companies how make. much of it do you see uh not, not enough <laughs> <laughs> no I, lo- I love my employers pay me more money <laughs> <laughs> fuck you pay me no but uh it's been a crazy few weeks but i'm gonna try to get more into twitter uh off the pitch um that twitter handle in the past four good. days Grew even while we've been on air. We got another th- or another on it. Bleh. It's not even posted yet. And we've got three more Twitter followers since we've been on live on air doing this. We've grown 115 now in the past four days. So we're doing good. We're trying to catch up to the off the wagon Twitter handle. We'll see if that's possible. Um, like I said, today, this the off the pitch shows going to be right below this tomorrow. If you're listening, not listening to this live. Um, 
Today we talked about Andrea Pirlo, a little bit of New England Revolution. Your uh, what else? Oh, the U.S. soccer U.S. program. U.S. soccer program and uh, Europa League. Next year we're going to kind of free ball the show, so tune in for that. Next week, not next year. True. Next next week, we're going to kind of free ball the show. Hit us up on Twitter <laughs> if there's any year. topics you want us to talk next about. Next year, however. <laughs> Meat spin. Helicoptering is <laughs> Meat spin. That's the strength of off the pitch. Um, off the wagon, if you want to get us on Twitter, it's at OTW Sports Radio. Again, I got it right for three times this week. Um, but no, uh, yeah, a lot of conversation going into the next couple of weeks. Obviously, the NFL, the draft's coming up very soon. We're going to try to get Keith Carmen on again from the Bird's Pulse down in Philly, a guy who's very Great close guy. to the draft. He was very, very knowledgeable when it comes to the NFL landscape. Maybe he'll a be a random ping pong, ge- ping pong ball generating machine. I believe he's going to be the catcher. <laughs> oh, shoot, shoot into his mouth. He's, yeah, he's... <laughs> He's he's a big fan of those. Uh, Carl ruined it earlier. I hope you guys. I hope it skipped right there. <laughs> uh, also, NBA uh, playoffs on their way. I think there's only eight or nine games left in the NBA schedule. NHL not too far seven, behind them. I think six or seven, even left. less. Uh, so obviously, a lot of uh, playoff hockey and basketball coming up. Hopefully, more basketball than hockey, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, Frozen Four coming up. That's my last thing for the night. Quinnipiac versus B. Quinnipiac C. If yep, Quinnipiac should win it. Quinnipiac has so he thrashed UML, right? Yeah, Quinnipiac has the best record in college hockey. I want to say like forty, fifty years. They've only lost two games all year. Oh wow! So they 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 were hands down the and I best. Think it's Denver, North North Dakota. Denver, North Dakota. I mean. My mom was a BC alum. I'm rooting for BC, but Quinnipiac. If you're going to tune into that tournament and they win it. You're watching history. They're going to have the best record in the history of college hockey if they win it. But Jerry York. Hockey's a hockey's a very funny sport. Sometimes a puck doesn't bounce the way it should. Puck and, and anything can happen. So We'll see how it goes. But thank you for listening this week, and uh, we'll get all back to you next early, Monday. Ne- early or next Monday. That works. JP said it, not me. <laughs> I like to sing.